Hi, this is Rodolfo. I'm the founder of Lucha Comics. You can check us out at luchacomics.com or go to your favorite social media and look for at Lucha Comics. I'm really excited to be here and have the chance to talk to you today about what we've been working on. And uh, I, I hope that you enjoy. Cool, man. So, so um, how, lo- how long has, has Lucha Comics been around? Well, we started publishing in late 2014. So we're not like, you know, brand, brand new, but we're, we're certainly not super established either. Uh, really, you know, we are entering our uh, fourth year of publication. I think we've had a chance to do some cool stuff, uh, work with creators from literally all over the world, uh, people from Switzerland, South Korea, the Philippines, uh, obviously the Americas and Europe. So uh, it's it's been a lot of fun and, uh, you know, a lot of fun stuff has happened in a relatively short time. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really awesome. I saw, you know, what caught my attention is, you know, in your bio on Twitter, it says independent comics from around the world. So what piqued my interest was, um, you know, different cultures express themselves differently. So do you see like a variance in either like storytelling style or artwork as, as you know, uh, artists and writers from different parts of the world come together to make a book? Is, is it always something different? based on where they're from or is it kind of like the same medium like like here like american comics even the indie comics still look like a marvel comic um you know what it's it's interesting that you bring that up because everyone definitely has their own style their own flavor uh the very first books that we published were actually english translations of uh, books out of south korea so it's interesting in that uh korean they'll read Uh, left to right, the same that we would, uh, you know, uh, in Canada or the U.S. Uh, Right. So you don't have the rights left that you have in your traditional manga books, but you kind of see a similar style. So it's almost like you're bringing the two worlds together. And uh, some of the the artwork that we were getting from over there, it was just um, amazing. Like the detail, some really cool slice of uh, life stuff. but it's interesting because storytelling, at least to me, seems to happen differently over there versus what we see here. Uh, you know, things that might be upsetting or or scary or startling uh, to one culture may not be to another. And so it's trying to pick those stories that, you know, once you translate, you kind of localize and and, and not to go off on the tangent too much, but when we talk translation, I just literally take, you know, hello in Korean and make it hello in English. But when I localize, I think of the audience and is it hello, is it hi, is it greetings, is it hey, what's up? What's going to make that story relevant um, to someone who, you know, doesn't speak Korean, isn't going to read it in Korean, has never seen the story before? You know, how can I make it kind of familiar? And then how does everything tie together uh, to really take that little piece of another culture and make it interesting to someone who's maybe used to reading Avengers or Walking Dead or Batman or something like that? You know what I mean? Right. So so you get to play the find the colloquialism game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, (laughs) a lot of it is why should someone care? And, you know, I grew up. Um, you know, I, I caught the tail end of the 70s, but really I'm an 80s kid, you know, so, yeah, me yeah, too. yeah, and so I grew up with, like, 
you know, awesome runs on Batman with, like, you know, uh, obviously Year One, Dark Knight Returns, uh, you know, some awesome X-Men stuff, uh, you know, Wolverine, Spider-Man, and I love those books, and I, I still read them, I remember them fondly, but the way I try and think of it is, is this, if, if comic books were, like, going to the movie theater, and imagine you're going to a big movie theater with 12 screens, and they're all showing Die Hard. You know, Die Hard's a lot of fun, don't get me wrong. But what if you want something besides Die Hard? And so right. when I got started, I thought, well, I know that there's Batman and there's superheroes and there's this, but are there different stories that can be told in a graphic novel format? And stories that maybe a Marvel or a DC wouldn't pick up, but I think, hey, you know, this is something that I want to share with people. I think someone else would enjoy it. Uh, because I didn't come at this uh, out of nowhere. I mean, I've been reading uh, comics for about 35 years now. Um, so, you know, I've, I've learned something in that time. What makes something appealing? What makes it confusing? What makes it uh, good? What makes it bad? What makes it different? What makes it quirky? And so, you know, you think, okay, well, yeah, this, yeah, this is something that I think more people would like or that deserves a wider audience. Uh, and... It's amazing what's out there for really good indie books because, I mean, I won't lie to you, there's, like, hundreds of Wolverine and Punisher and Batman ripoffs out there. Um, but there are thousands right. and thousands of amazing stories that people may never get to enjoy because it didn't come from, you know, one of the big three uh, publishers. And so it was really, right. how do we tie this together and, and put it into package that, you know, won't be, um, you know, off-putting and would be appealing to someone who, yeah, I like Marvel, but I'm willing to try something else, you know? I mean, yeah, and, you know, I, um, if, you know, people who listen episode to episode, you know, they're probably going to roll their eyes when I repeat myself, <laughs> but I find myself, well, I find myself as an adult actually being more and more drawn to what would be considered an indie book. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, the, the superhero books have their place and, and, and the movies are fun. And if I ever got to meet Jim Lee or Chris Claremont, I would just cry and thank them for the X-Men reboot. But like for now, like, you know, your, your, your tastes change, you know, like, you know, when, when you're a kid, candy is awesome. And when you're adult, you'll still pop it in your mouth and be like, yeah, that's good. But you also like your your palate changes and it deepens and it becomes more broad, and I, and I find myself, um, especially with the slew of of under um, talented books that I think the the big houses are pushing yeah. out on the backs of the movies, yeah. um, storytelling's kind of fallen by the wayside. Um, you know, the past five six years or so, I've definitely gravitated heavily towards you know the the smaller publishers and the indie houses and the indie books that are actually telling stories. I mean, I'll, I'll read a Batman graphic novel, um, you know, at the drop of a hat and enjoy it. But, you know, like something like Joe, the barbarian yeah. or, you know, Michael Mentheim's four horsemen of the apocalypse or something like lock and key, yep. or, um, I fell in love with stuff like fables. Oh. Uh, right. Yeah. So like I went, I, I still, there's a place in my heart, for the superheroes, but I'm getting more out of the kind of stuff that you're talking about being interested in putting out there. So 
So, I mean, other than deciding to do it, like what brought you to the place where you were able to start um, Lucha Comics and finding these cool underground indie artists and, and putting it together? Like, like what birthed it? Well, I think it's very much what you just described because, I mean, I'm a lifelong Batman guy. Um, but then I read, uh, you know, I started reading more stuff, more Vertigo books. I read Why the Last Man and thought, oh, that's a good oh, one. phenomenal. I thought, well, I've been reading at that point Batman for about 30 years. And now I pick up this Why the Last Man. There's no superheroes, no complicated universe, no crossovers. Yet, I care more about these characters than I do about my superheroes. Like, they almost feel like real people right. because there's that focus, again, on the story. And you're not the first one to tell me this. That, yeah, you know, you, you can still pick up the superhero stuff and read it and look back fondly on it. But sometimes you want something a little more uh, or a little different. And I guess when I look at it, um, you know, my life has changed. You know, uh, I'm a family man now. I got a couple of kids. You know, right. where are those struggles in comics? Like, I can only go after the Infinity Gauntlet so many times, but, you know, what if I'm having a, a tough time with my wife or my kids or, you know, paying the bills or whatever the case may be? Like, you know, where are those points where we can bring certain things maybe back to reality or even forgetting reality, but in a way that I can relate to. You know, as a kid, could I see myself as Batman wanting the utility belt and the Batmobile and billions of dollars? Sure, but could I see that now? You know what I mean? And so right. when you look at all that, I thought, well, here I am, you know, doing my day job, working with entrepreneurs and thinking, well, I've, I've learned a few things about business along the way and I've spent way too many hours, probably years, actual years reading comics can i bring the right. two together and again not to get rich but to have enough to know that hey i can keep doing this and i can put out these stories and get them out there in front of people and you know at least share something that i the comic book fan really enjoy with other people thinking yeah they're they're gonna take for this you know right so, I mean, did did you strike out on your own, or did you kind of, did you have other people go into it with you? Well, what I did is I basically founded the company myself, and then I would awesome. reach out to creators uh, because I I can write if I if I got some ideas, but I cannot draw with the dead like at all. Like it, same oh, boat. Yeah, like at all. So I'm thinking, well. I should pair with artists, but then I didn't really have any scripts ready to go, so I thought, well, there's good, complete, ready-to-go stories out there. Let's start with those. And so right. I would literally start Googling. I'd go on social media. Hey, this looks cool. That looks cool. Um, you know, I actually had a site where I was doing free comic book reviews for a while. People would send me their stuff, and then I'd say, hey, this is really cool. i got to talk uh, to this person about publishing them. And, you know... Just whatever I could think of, because there's a lot of talented, passionate people out there, um, you know, and unfortunately, they form communities online, so you can go on social media, you can go on Reddit, um, you know, and you can start seeing what's out there, and 
you know, just having the internet as a tool, which I'm sure is going to sound silly to our younger uh, listeners here, but, you know, when I was a kid, there was no internet. If you wanted to... Fit... I was going to say, you know what, they can laugh all they want, but there was a world before oh, the internet. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, how in the hell was I going to publish a graphic novel from South Korea even 15 right. years ago? No way. Right. Whereas now, oh yeah, you know, Google Translate, send a few emails, hey, your artwork's cool, yeah, here's a contract, boom, we're off to the races, you know? So it's... Oh yeah, I mean, I, I think about that, you know, do, doing this episode with you, oh. like, I mean, come on, like, when we were kids, dude, <laughs> did, you, did you ever think that some blue-collar 40-hour-a-week schlub that just had a lifelong love of nerdery <laughs> of all different genres could, like download a couple different programs to his computer and and just be, you know, lucky enough that I've been able to have a guest for each episode for over a oh, year now. And, and and you know what, dude, I'm literally in my bedroom with a laptop open and headphones in and that's all you need. talking to you in Canada about your multinational comic book company. Now, this is two eighties kids yep. talking. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, it's there there's a whole world of possibilities that these kids are gonna grow up like completely taking for granted like well yeah of course old man <laughs> and you're like no do you understand there's magic in the world oh, now it's sorcery <laughs> it's like my kids you know, my kids asked me the other day they they just turned uh 10 and 9 and uh well not the other day this was probably a few years ago um they asked me hey what did you watch on netflix when you were a kid <laughs> trying to explain to them never mind netflix there is no internet you wanted to watch something on tv so you know you you'll get this because you grew, you grew up in the 80s as well if i want to watch robotech or gi joe or speed racer or transformers you knew what time it was on and you made sure you were in front of there. the tv yep. because if not guess what you missed it <laughs> and that was it and that's just it like you know i had like the friends whose parents actually had money and you'd go in the basement because, you know, every kid just lived in a oh, basement in the 80s. I, I don't know why. You know, um, there, there was always the musty basement with the pool table and the TV in the <laughs> yeah. corner with a Nintendo or Atari oh, yeah. strapped to oh, it. Yeah. But sometimes you had that one friend whose parents could afford the, the VCRs oh, yeah. when they were new. Oh. And they would have these brown cabinets, yeah. fake wood <laughs> cabinets with these little black doors. Yeah. And you'd open them up and they'd have like all these blank videotapes of like whole shows. Oh yeah. That was just, and that's like, you used to have to binge watch, but you would have to get up off the couch yep. every, every half hour to put, well, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. So yeah, like I just think it's amazing. Like what you and I are able to do and, and we get it and it's so crazy and big. And yet if I explained it to my 12 year old, with the amount of mysticism I'm explaining it to you, she'd be like, <laughs> rolling her yeah, eyes, old man. Right? Yeah, like, what's a VCR? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, the tape's in the drawer, but I don't think you need to tape anything. And you're like, nah, you don't. <laughs> you don't. It's like, didn't you watch Stranger Things with us? Didn't you watch both seasons? Yeah, that's like, a deal, you know? <laughs> didn't it seem a little back, backwoods to you, what they were doing? Yeah, that was life, that was kid. The world. That was life. <laughs> But it was magical. It was. It was. In its own way, dude. It really was. I miss it. Like, I, I don't usually get, like, 
nostalgic and sentimental, but I think like there was a, there was still an air of freedom oh, yeah. back then that, that that I think's been lost in a lot of things. Definitely, you know, it, it, like we were talking about before the episode, how easy it was to go back and oh. forth between Canada and the states yep. before nine eleven. Oh yeah. Just whip out your driver's license and go. And uh, I don't know what it's like uh, where you guys are, but, uh, you know, my kids still go out, play in front of the house on the street, rollerblade or bikes yep. or whatever. And, you know, sometimes we get dirty looks from some of the other parents. Like, there are a ton of kids that live on our street, and I don't see them. You know, they don't. Exactly. It's, uh, it's like they're all locked inside or something. I don't know. It's just so different from when I grew up, you know? I was never inside, no. dude. No, no, no. You were out and playing baseball with your buddies and riding bikes and catching frogs and whatever the hell else uh, the day called for. And, you know, if yep. streetlights come on, fine, you wander home for dinner. But now, oh. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I, I you know, I, I sometimes say I take a time machine, but I think, uh, I think a lot of kids from our generation – are probably too scared to admit out loud how that we're just as dependent on this stuff as the kids that were like looking down. Oh, yeah. Like I know if I got to the eighties and was like, Oh man, I got to FaceTime so-and-so and show them this awesome thing. And, and then be like, you know, I'd end up in an insane asylum trying to ex- explain the, the internet and what an iPhone is. They'd be like, mm, yeah, you're okay, nuts. somebody's on, somebody's on PC. Oh yeah. It's so, it's so true it's just the the way things change i guess and how they make stuff like this possible and you know to do podcasts and comics and indie films and music and it's just all the barriers it's broken down you know and that's what i mean like that's so cool for you that that they have been that you've been able to build this thing that's just awesome i mean so do you guys um do you like fund the books or do you do kickstarters for all of them because i know you've got a kickstarter out now right yeah what we do is it's really hit and miss often we get completed works uh we often just sell them digitally on platforms like comiXology or comics plus Uh, but in some cases we will take books and say okay this uh we need to get this out there into print uh, and so, yeah, let's let's look at Kickstarter. Uh, our first campaign uh, was in 2016 for the Kursk. Uh, it's based on the Russian submarine disaster, and it was just a really unique topic. So, oh, we got to get this out there. And, and uh, you know, with uh, a whopping 20 minutes to go, we, we cleared that one. So, you know, that was wow. Oh, that was stressful as hell. But uh, you know, I can't think of a time where something felt so personally rewarding. Yet, if I did the math in terms of, you know, what I made kind of per hour, it was like, <laughs> you know, basically slave rates. But um, it was so much fun. It was a great learning experience. And now we have Macbeth the Red King, which is this very, very cool, um, you know, take on such a historical figure. And uh, we thought, you know what, this is something else that it's special. We really have to get it out there. Uh, you know, let's go to our fans one more time on Kickstarter. Let's see if we can't pick up some new ones and, uh, and you know, and make this happen because I just find the book so unique, you know. Um, I don't know how much, you know, Shakespeare might have appealed to you in, in high school as a kid of the 80s. Myself, personally, it just wasn't my thing. Uh, you know, I, I was all over 1984 and stuff like that. But, you know, King Rick. See, that was me, 1984, yeah, yeah. Animal Farm. 
Fahrenheit 451, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that stuff was golden, but Shakespeare, oh, I couldn't get, you know, the language was so thick, and, you know. I could get through it because I've always been good at English yeah. and I've always been good at writing. I'm not bragging. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I could get through it. I, I am far from a road scholar, but um, it was boring as oh. sin. I just did it well enough in English class in high school to be like, all right, that's yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. Like I got it, but I didn't love it. Like there was no emotion. No. It was just a decision. No, you, you went through <laughs> the motions to make the teacher happy. I, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of that, especially with King Lair. Like I just had one hell of a time with that, but. You know, I, I got this book a little over two years ago from Sean and Anna, um, and they had done Hell, Nebraska, an interesting drug, and uh, Sean just did a, a story for uh, Star Wars Adventures, so I thought, okay, th- this looks different, and, cool. you know, something I hadn't realized, and probably most people don't know, is that Shakespeare's take on Macbeth is basically historical fiction. Um, you know... It's right. a case of he wrote his play 500 years after Macbeth died, and that is the story that people have taken as true. So you have this guy that, oh, everyone thinks he's this lunatic and he's this tyrant, but uh, Sean actually spent a significant amount of time in Scotland, uh, you know, uh, researching, visiting historical sites, piecing stuff together. And so you get this different picture of someone who's a hero, who's a generous king. Um, you know, who, who really worked for his people. So it's like, well, wait a minute. Is Macbeth this lunatic described in this language that, you know, or a format that's maybe inaccessible to some? Or is he this hero that we can present in a graphic novel format with um, almost like a cinematic feel? And is there an opportunity to say to students, to educators, um, the historical fiction box, hey, this is what the world knows of Macbeth. Here's another interpretation that we've gone back to historical records put together, and maybe is it something that helped you understand Shakespeare a bit better, why he chose Macbeth as this interesting figure, because we can agree all around that you know he was an important guy. And is it going to help right. students get excited? Uh, or teachers, uh, is it going to make your life easier because your kids now can see, okay, now I kind of get why you're trying to tell this story. Um, I have this different perspective on him. Now let's go through Shakespeare's work, you know? So it was uh, right. something like that where, again, no zombies, no capes, <laughs> no superpowers. Um, <laughs> but there's a story there, you know? And so when I saw that, I thought, okay, we, we can do something with this. Um and really, the artwork uh, just sold me. Like, literally, they showed me one page. I didn't see a script. Uh, I didn't fully appreciate the differences between this story and Shakespeare's, but I literally saw one page and said, yeah, this is it. You know? And from nice. there, we, we got to this point where now, hey, we're on Kickstarter. We're, we're plugging away. Uh, you know, certainly, if anyone's interested in the book uh, and you're not sure... Uh, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. I'm glad to send you a preview, um, you know, just so you can see why we've really gotten excited about this one and, uh, you know, why we want to put it out there. And, uh, you know, if the Kickstarters, you know, win, lose, or draw, um, if it doesn't happen in print now, I know it will happen at some point. It's still going to be out there originally just because it's it's such a different story and the way it's presented, you know? Right. Well, I mean, I just backed it while we were oh, talking. Awesome. Thank you. I did. I, I did the. Uh, 
I did the reward tier where you get the the DRM free uh, graphic novel when it when it comes out. Oh, digitally. perfect. Well, uh, well, don't worry. I'll make sure you get an early delivery. All right, since you're helping me out with the podcast <laughs> here. <laughs> oh no, man. I just, yeah, I, I mean, I was looking at it right before we got on, and the art looked interesting. I read over the project, and I was like, yeah, that's definitely something I can get behind. I mean, as well as putting putting uh, mostly indie labels on the show. Um, you know, if I'm going to support indie comics, I always back the campaigns for, for stuff that I have oh, on. And um, I appreciate that 100%. Because you got to put your money where your mouth is. I'm not going <laughs> to promote a product that I'm myself am like, oh, yeah, everybody get on this Kickstarter. Well, did you exit stage left? <laughs> like, it's <laughs> like, but I mean, you know, like I said, I find myself more and more drawn to business models like yours. Um. You know, I've had Alterna Comics on. Oh, yeah, and, and I've had, yeah, I mean, I've had Advent Comics yep. on and done stuff with Top Cow and oh, that's a couple other indie artists. I had the guys who did Kill All Monsters, you know, oh, Michael May yeah, and Jason Copeland. So and fun. That was such a fun book. It really was. But, I mean, like, so, like, you were right up my alley, and that's why I reached out, man, because this is where I'm finding my joy with comics is in what you're doing and what those guys are doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, so. and I appreciate that so much because it kind of validates some of what you do, um, as an indie publisher. Uh, cause there's days where you think, geez, I'm literally the only person that's going to read this, <laughs> you know? Um, it's, you know, you, you kind of doubt yourself and you think, well, maybe just having Batman's good enough or just having walking dead's good enough or whatever the case may be. But, you know, there's part of you that says, yeah, there's more out there and there's different experiences and, and not to take away from anything because honestly, Marvel and DC, they set the table uh, for everyone that followed. Right. And if that's Image, if that's me, if it's that's the next indie startup, you know, you can't deny that we could be here and have a fan base and have people who appreciate comics without those people, without guys like Stan Lee. Without guys, right? Pain. I mean, it, really, it, they set the stage and they set the table for everything that would follow. Um, but yeah, it's you know, yes, I can have my Batman and my Daredevil, but yeah, I can have indie books too, and just decide, hey, I'm going to go on Comicsology and pick out this weird book I've never heard of before, and you know, nine times out of ten, I I end up being pretty happy with uh, with what I get, you know, just because I'm. I'm getting that new experience and I'm getting something that I can't just walk into a comic shop and, and pull off the shelf, you know? Exactly. It, but I mean, like, you know, what really kickstarted it for me is, um, that wolf that when the telltale did the, uh, wolf. Oh Among yes. Us, and I was like, this is really great. Somebody should make this a comic book. And one of my friends was like, Dude, where have you been? This is based off a long-running comic book series. Yeah. And I was like, you shut your mouth. And he brought over Fables Volume 1, and then I ended up, like, me and my wife, which was really cool because she tolerates my nerdy Oh, man. That, you know, like, she has her own. She she grew up loving Star Trek, and she grew up loving Doctor Who. And, you know, every kid from our era loved indie and Star Wars and stuff like that. But, you know, guys like you and I, it's a whole different animal. Oh, yeah. With the, and um, that was like the first comic series where I would finish a volume and she'd be like, you need to hurry up because I need to read the next one. 
<laughs> and I, you know what I mean? So, like, that was something that her and I yeah. could actually enjoy comic book-wise as a couple, which was the first time that had ever happened in the almost 20 years that we've been together. Oh, that's great. You know, like, everything else we have in common, like, you know, children and, and a home and all the important things, but we were able to melt it down to, you know, her and I in bed swapping volumes of fables. That's awesome. You know, and, and yeah, so, I mean... What you're doing, I think, is kind of where it's at right now for, for 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 comics. I mean, there will always be the Marvels and DCs, but I think there's a lot more breadth and depth to the indie scene right now. I think the indie scene has stepped in because everybody like you that I've talked to on the mm-hmm. show love comic books as much as I yep. am, and I think it's 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 almost. And you don't want to insult the big houses, no, I know no. that. But it's almost like everybody knows unspokenly that there's something missing. And these, you know, indie labels like yours and indie books like the ones you put out, I think they fill that void of what we know is missing in a lot of the mainstream books and has been missing for a while, which is creativity, originality, and heart. You know, Batman's going to sell. Oh, yeah. They know Batman's going to sell. Iron Man's going to sell. They know Iron Man's going to sell. But you get a writer and an artist working together on something that came from them and not from legacy characters that they were just handed, you know, by a six month or year long contract, but something that they birthed together. And when you read that, that's where you find the heart that made comics something that stuck with guys like you and I forever, you know? Well, that's what the magic, because I guess this is what I see is that, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'll, I'll always be grateful to the to the big publishers. They were really of a part of my childhood. Um, but when you look at uh, indie comics and the indie scene, uh, you know that there's something missing. And now, just going back to what we were talking about earlier, you're in a position to do something about it. If you can draw and you can write, you can find a way to get that out there. And... You know, I really look at, you know, comic books are so popular now. You have all these movies. But if I'm a new reader to comics, I mean, I I read Batman religiously for the past 30 years. I, You know, I I kept up with X-Men for a good while. So if I had to jump into something today, either Marvel or DC, I generally know what's been going on. But can you imagine a new reader jumping into X-Men? completely brand new like it's well, yeah which one there's so many rosters which one yeah, right who's died and who's come back to life and this relationship and this person was with that person now they're with this guy and well yeah cyclops and gene actually aren't together and you know haven't been for years and that's heartbreaking yeah and so i find it's overwhelming it's like you're you're buried under this history that has become so complicated that it's inaccessible to the new fan, whereas you can pick up an indie book, and and generally speaking, you can jump right in. You know, like you might right. have to go back an issue or two, but it's not like you have to go back, you know, twenty years to have a basic understanding of who these people are. And it's almost like when that happens, you've kind of lost that connection or that that, you know, that, that part that makes you feel like a kid again, 
because, well, wait a minute, now this has become a chore, because now i got to go on Wikipedia. i got to read the... Right. i got to chase down the trade. Then i got to go talk to someone who's been reading this for the past 10 years, and i got to sit down with them for a couple of hours, and then maybe I can get back to, like, page four of this book that I was trying to read. You know? Um, whereas if you pick up a decent indie title, okay, tell me your story. You know, I don't have to suddenly become an expert just to be able to crack the book open. And um, it's unfortunate because I think there's so many people that want to feel like they're a part of, you know, Batman or X-Men or what have you. But, man, it's not easy. You know? Um, it's not. And, and for new readers, I would liken it to this. You know? In high school... There was the table where all the cool kids sat, right? Mm -hmm. But they had to look a certain yep. way. And they had to act a certain way. And they could only hang out with certain other people. And you know in your heart of hearts that if you weren't sitting at that table, that you and your friends were having way much more fun with way less to worry about. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I almost liken it to that. And I don't mean to make it juvenile, but, but you know, it's like, you know, like... Marvel and DC would be like the cool kids oh, yeah. table, you know? And I'm sorry, but my pocket of punk rock friends that flipped our fingers off at like everything <laughs> that was like considered the establishment, you know, like, I mean, me with my blue mohawk back in high school yeah. and everything else. And just, we had way more fun and did way more stuff than the kids who had to worry about their image the entire time, well, you, get you know? So like, Indie books are like the punk rock of comics. How's that? Yeah. They're having more fun and they're more real. <laughs> and it's so true because, you know, I, I I can just tell someone, here's a story. I'll give you an example. Uh, uh, a friend of mine who's an accountant, he, uh, he said, man, I want to get into reading DC. I think I'm going to start with Green Lantern. But just, like, give me a, a bit of a primer on, like, the DC universe. And, Oof. and he's like, yeah, but I got to, you know, I, I got to pop out for lunch. I, I got like 10 minutes. I'm like, you're joking, right? He's like, well, what do you mean? He's like, dude, like, this is going to be like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> book off the rest of your afternoon. Um, but then that same friend, I can show him a book that we put together or another Indies put together. And he's like, yeah, I can just jump right in and I can have fun and, you know, not worry about this or what other people or other fans are going to think. You know, you can just let yourself be absorbed into the story. Exactly, man. And like I said, that that's why I push it. And that's why I'm reaching out to, to labels like yours and backing projects like you guys are putting up. And I will continue to do so. I mean, you know, you, you've been more than gracious to come on the show. So like I tell every other guest before I wrap up, that you are 100% invited back on anytime you want. I open door policy with any guests um you know uh i will promote the kickstarter i will do anything i can to help you guys and i never really ask for anything in, re in return hence me actually backing the project and not being like hey well slip me a book so i can read it blah, blah, blah. like i always feel weird asking that and, and i have a couple guests um that i have that arrangement yeah. with but they had to offer it because i would have felt like a horrible human being had i been the one to ask for the stuff. So, I mean, I don't make any money from the show. I don't ever plan on monetizing it. Me and my family are fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we're doing 
perfectly fine. <laughs> so I just I like to use it as a tool to get to know really cool people and get to talk to them for the first time and then build a relationship from that. But at the same time, help them get out there more. So, I mean, you know, from the bottom of my heart, thanks for coming on and being so open and honest with, with answers and being so willing to talk. I know it's kind of weird um, when people first come on that I don't have pre-written questions. <laughs> and it's more like a, just a free-form conversation, like if we were getting coffee oh, or yeah, whatever. For sure. You know. And really, I, I have to thank you because I, I love doing this. Obviously, it's just great talking to someone who has this lifelong love of, of, of comics. And, and, oh, I'm sure that if I brought up ten other things, we'd, we'd be here talking all night. Um, and obviously for, for helping and, and supporting myself and people like myself because... Uh, you know, that's the only way that these things grow and, and get out there. And don't worry, there's there's going to be some books uh, uh, coming your way. Just check your inbox uh, and, and don't ever be afraid to ask because, you know, it's it's always cool to, to, to meet new fans and just have a great conversation with them. But, uh, you know, really, it's if I think of what I do with Lucha, what you do uh, with your, your podcast, it's really a labor of love, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just one of those things that there's that part of me that, you know, yeah, you got to become a responsible adult and go to school and get a job. But there's that, that piece of your childhood that just kind of sticks around and, hey, I, it's, it's still there. I have to do something with it. Exactly. And blessed are those who can find a way to plug oh, yeah. into it. Yeah, I, I consider myself fortunate. I mean... There's days where I'm stressing about the Kickstarter, stressing about getting a book at the door, um, stressing about what the next story is going to be. I'm going to bed at like three in the morning, but then I have to tell myself, well, Jesus, you're making comic books. If you could go go back 30 years and tell yourself as a child, someday you're going to be making comic books. You know, that's, that's incredible. And, I, I consider myself very lucky to be able to, to be in this position. If anyone listening is thinking about doing a comic, a game, uh, an app, music, movie, writing a book, whatever it might be, a podcast, I'd say do it. Do Just it, man. go for it. What do you have to lose? 100%. Nothing. <laughs> you got nothing yeah. to lose. But you have a potential entire world to gain. Exactly. I 100% agree exactly. with that. All right, man. Well, one more time. Tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find the books, and um, let's plug the Kickstarter one more time, and then we can wrap it up from there. Great. So just to recap really quick, uh, you can check us out at Lucha Comics, L-U-C-H-A, uh, luchacomics.com, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Lucha Comics. Uh, if you want to check out our Kickstarter, MacbethTheRedKing.com, or you can just go to Kickstarter.com, uh, type in Macbeth. Uh, fortunately, we've been recognized by the Kickstarter team as a project they love, so uh, you know we get the cool little badge, and hopefully it'll make it a bit easier to find us. And uh, nice. you know, really, I I just hope that uh, we can keep doing these stories, and you know, just keep having fun and uh, and working on cool stuff. Heck yeah, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on tonight, thank dude. Thank you. Yes, sir. It's been great. It, it's been, it really has, dude. I will definitely be reaching out and having you back oh, on. Oh, I am looking forward to it 110%.